0: You're listening to the Be Healthy Naturally podcast, episode number six.
1: Welcome to the best 20 minutes of natural health education and enlightenment on the web today. This is the Be Healthy Naturally podcast.
0: Knowledge, empower, and elevate are the keys to living a happy, healthy life with your hosts, often known as the dynamic duo, Dr. Shane Watt, a chiropractic physician,
1: and Liz Watt, a holistic wellness expert.
0: We bring our knowledge and education together to create a new way of thinking to elevate your life and your health.
1: In order for you to live your best life, you have to elevate your learning.
0: Alright, so today we have a treat because we get to have Bill Schiffenhauer back for a second time. Um, He was a three-time Olympian and a silver medalist and attended Weaver State University. He grew up in the hard streets of Salt Lake City and eventually overcame the odds of his of his upbringing and accomplished the impossible. Now as an entrepreneur and an owner of the olympianspeaks.com and a global mentor, Bill also is the president of the Olympian and Paralympian Association of Utah and partners in the Operation Limitless Bill stays as an active community supporter in many facets. Bill was just recently introduced into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame along with the Weaver State Sports Hall of Fame. As a professional speaker, Bill shares his story with individuals and organizations around the world. So we are so glad that we're able to spend extra time with you today to be able to get more of your story. You know, the first one we talked about was exercise and the importance of it, but in order to get to that part, we have to kind of know what brought you to your exercise. <laughs> you know, you grew up in the hard parts of Salt Lake City and you really struggled as a child. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, just give us a little bit of the background and how you got into kind of getting into the sports world.
2: Yeah, and, and again, thanks for having me back, you guys. I really appreciate it. Um, it's always fun, again, to share stories with, with people. Um, you know, the funny part about that is you talk about the hard streets of Salt Lake City and, and most people outside. Of most, Salt Lake, people, yeah. most people most think, like, right? What, what are you talking about? They got about? wide roads. Right. Do they even have hard streets in Salt Lake? I don't even see any garbage on the streets. Right. <laughs> We do have hard streets in Salt Lake City. So, you know, yeah, I grew up, um, you know, pretty underprivileged. So, uh, in and out of 17 different foster homes, lived on the streets, uh, parents that were addicted to drugs on a, on a pretty large scale. Um, I was pretty much that prototypical kid, that you, you know, they, they talk about a lot out there that uh, follows the footsteps of their their parents and ends up either, you know, in jail or prison or, or dead before they're 16. And
1: um, So, how old were you when basically your mom stopped taking care of and you got and you had to go into those other homes Um,
2: ever since I was like a young young kid I mean I bounced around from 17 foster homes back and forth with my grandma um, from as far back as I can remember Wow and so this is just a non-stop constant thing just growing up and there was a norm for me like I didn't know any different uh, mm. it was just normal right And I, you know growing up as a kid who went to school with the same clothes all the time that was normal for me um, so but I, I realized one of the times I moved from um, Salt Lake, I just, my mom had just had me taken away from her again. And so I moved with my grandma up to Roy. And I was in an environment that uh, start fresh um, with none of the background. And so.
1: And did you kind of make that mental thing? You had to kind of say, you know what? Okay. I know I've had, I've had this that I've had, yeah. but I got if I wanted to become something, or do something, yeah. and I need to change, and you you actually made that decision, okay, yeah. I'm doing something different. Yeah, different. and
2: I, I had to grow up, you know, pretty quick as a young age, you know, with that lifestyle, I was left at home with my little brother-in-law that I had to take care of, I was responsible, for making sure he was fed, and just different things like that, so, um, as an elementary kid, I was also kind of a parent, um, wow. yeah. for a little bit too, and so, um, it, it was just, you know, I put myself in that mental state, which most kids at seventh grade don't really think of, you know, most kids are thinking about going yeah and playing and having fun and doing things like that and um, for, for whatever reason I had this vision of like what life would look like when I became an adult and that's kind of kind of consumed me and so I realized that I didn't want to live or experience that same lifestyle that I was getting when I was living with my mom or living on the streets or in foster homes and so I was like you know okay what can I do and um As I looked around and I was taking notice to all the kids, and I still do this today in business, you know, look at people that are successful and and either learn from them or mimic what they're doing and try and implement it into my own world and see if that works for me. I did the same thing back then. It's just, um, you know, eventually I took notice of this one kid that everyone liked him. He looked like the kid who just, to me, was you know, glowed all the time.
0: Yeah, they had it uh, all. Had it all. Had the whole package. And um,
2: like Roy,
1: it wasn't Jim McMahon,
2: right? No, it wasn't Jim. Definitely was not Jim. But his name was Jake. Yeah. So, um, but I remember. Does one, he know this? Yeah, Does he's he he he's it? actually in my documentary, and he's been uh, talked about quite a bit. And oh, I'm nice, oh, good, so good. He was he was a big uh, a big influence in my life that he didn't even know until we started really talking about it. Yeah. And, that's uh, awesome. He he actually I never even told him. He just one time he calls me up. He's like, "So somebody told me you were giving a speech at you know, uh, the school of business, and you talked about me." I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's funny. So. He well, was, that, that just shows that people, we always tell our son, it's like people are looking up to you because he plays yeah. sports. It's like, you never know who's looking yeah. at you. You yeah. never know who's
2: looking, who needs an example, yeah. and that's why you always be your best yeah, self. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, with that, like one day I remember following, after school, I followed him outside, and I was, you know, I was just trying to figure out, like, what does this kid do? And, uh-huh. and uh, I walk out, and he's out there with a whole bunch of kids, and they're, you know, jogging around and jumping over things and handing things off to one another and you know I didn't know what what it was and obviously as I'm looking at it and I think to myself like what skill sets do I have that could could apply to that and Uh again being the kid who grew up on the streets running from cops jumping fences and so on I was like hey this works out right in my favor (laughs) Um, obviously come to find out you know the sport was track and field and uh, oh, the first okay. year I went out for it, made the team. Um, I was still kind of a troublemaker, so I got kicked off the team my first year. Um, got myself together and uh, you know came up with a new game plan, and, and eventually made my my first track team in ninth grade. And from that point on, just had like a phenomenal time and just. Uh, utilize that as a platform to really get me out of that situation and so you know a lot of people ask me like did sports save your life and I you know I'd say absolutely you know sports and fitness and nutrition is, is a big part of my success overall mm-hmm. life yeah so you start out in track and field
1: um, then I know that you played some football and then you went on to college did you do track and field and football or just track and field just track and field okay um, at Weaver State yeah I was okay.
2: I was recruited as the uh, number one. Or number two um, athlete overall um, in 1991, and had opportunities to pretty much go anywhere I wanted. But at the time, I lived with my high school track coach, who was best friends with the college track coach at Weber State, okay. and so I went to Weber State. And yeah. uh, you know, I was played really, really good in football as well, but they had other plans for me, so I only ran track mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. post high school. I did some semi-pro football as well, but okay. it was all about track and field in college.
1: So then, you—how did you get into? The Olympic stuff.
2: So, at a young age, when I when I came up to uh, high school at Roy High School, uh, the coaches sat me down because at that point in time, I just did a whole bunch of events in junior high, and uh, they're like, "Hey, we noticed in junior high that you you ran the hurdles, you did the hundred, you threw the discus, you did the relay, you did the long jump." You did the decathlon these, these without, doing the, without decathlon. doing the decathlon. Gotcha. And that's when they introduced me to the sport of the decathlon and you know they're like you know it's the first guy on the track the last guy off the track and you do all these different events and they start naming off all the events right 110 meter hurdles discus vault, javelin 1500 you know all these things and I'm like good grief that sounds like a lot and uh, they're like yeah it's it's a lot and I was like yeah you know at first I was like I don't know if that's something you know I want to do that and you know, at the time, you know, this is where I was really trying to make a transition in my life, and they made one comment, said that, uh, that the decathlete is the best athlete in the world, and I was sold. So. <laughs> yeah, I that was the selling. That was it. That's all I needed. Yeah. So, um, you know, pursued uh, the decathlon and and did really well at a young age, and learned a lot of, you know, how to be disciplined, how to set goals, and you know, plan your race and race your plan, and. And uh, you know, just overall, you know, be a great person. So,
1: what was what was the in in that event? What was what were the things that you excelled at in terms of what were the. What were the ones that like I was I was the best in the in the in the dashes or I was yeah. best, you know and then what were the hardest ones
2: yeah so so I learned at a young age when it comes to the decathlon uh, the key to being successful in the decathlon is being consistent right and and I think it's the same thing because you, Cause you get so many points per event yeah and I think it's you know it's the same thing you can apply to anything in life the more consistent you are across the board the more success you're going to have mm-hmm. um, but when it came down to like doing individual events at right. a meet um, I would always do you know either um, most of the jumps. Or the throws, where you kind of, where the things where you so, excelled and got yeah. your most points in. And so, you know, even at the national championship level, I qualified for um, obviously a decathlon, uh, qualified for uh, long jump, high jump, and javelin, and almost in the discus. Oh wow, so, yeah, that's yeah. really good. And so, like at conference championships, I would Wednesday, Thursday, I would compete in the decathlon, and then regular meet Friday, Saturday, I would do the oh, <laughs> you do them again, hundred ten meter some- hurdles long jump, high jump, discus, javelin, oh my and, gosh. Uh, and usually a relay. So I'd usually do like five to six more events. Holy so cow, it, it after
1: be, doing them all, you redid the, them again yeah. and just competed as an individual. Yeah. right? So what Olympics did you go to in, in the, as a decathlon?
2: Um, so I, I never made an Olympics in the county. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I did train for the 96 Atlanta games. Um, that's when I was, you know, I was a little bit young to do that, but I was training with the best athlete in the world at the time, Dan O'Brien. Right, oh yeah, I remember that name. Yeah. So he and I were okay. training together and learned a lot from him as well. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I moved back from Moscow, Idaho, back to Ogden and trained for the 2000 Sydney Olympics, which at the time I was, I would already qualified for Olympic trials, was ranked fifth in the world, uh-huh. everything was going perfectly smooth. And two weeks before Olympic trials, I blew my ankle out to the long jump board. Oh! I'm at PYU. So that was kind of a... <laughs>
0: Obviously, that was not your path then, no. was it? No, a major was,
2: setback. It was, yeah, it <laughs> was uh, definitely a nail in the coffin yeah. and, and just kind of crushed the whole dreams of becoming an Olympian. And, right. Um, not too shortly after that, um, you know, after looking my wounds, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm big on you know the, the amazing energy in the universe. If we want to manifest, it, it'll it happen, mm-hmm. and and that's exactly what happened. I had somebody come up to me and say, "Hey, what about bobsled?" And I said, "What is bobsled? bobsled. <laughs> 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 Bob who?" Yeah. And uh, you know, they kind of started telling me about the the sport and show me some videos, and and they're like, "The Olympics are here in Salt Lake," and I'm like, "The Olympics are in Salt Lake? What are you talking? Like, I had no idea. I lived here." <laughs> and they're like the Winter Olympics. Right. And, you know, in the reality, when you look at it, the overall goal is to become an Olympian. It didn't really matter if it was track what and field, what sport pop, it was, sled, yeah. I always joke around and say men's pairs figure skating. So. A <laughs> like, little bit of blades of glory in there. Um, but, again, the goal was to become an Olympian, uh-huh. and that's all that mattered. And, you know, it, it kind of came back around that when we were talking about it we only had a year and three months to actually pull this off before olympics. and
1: you're recovering from an ankle injury
2: yeah and you know probably the, the most impactful conversation out of that whole thing is that we we talked about like how cool would that be if we could actually create a story of you growing up here on the streets of salt lake City, yeah and oh, then yeah. you actually make the olympics in your own city and, and then
1: that story was expedited because then actually you won a you medal did. yeah yeah uh-huh. and so
2: you know, I remember having that conversation, and we're, you know, we're basically attitudes like we have nothing to lose. Why not just go for it? Mm. And if it happens, you know, it's hard to even write a story like that. Right. And you know, thankfully. You know, I just took all the energy and effort and passion that I had into track and field and just picked it up out of a track and field bucket and dumped it into a bobsled So bucket. did the
1: the, did the Olympic committee just basically say, okay, we're putting you here we're putting you in with these guys? Is that kind of how it set up? Because <laughs> no. you're in the four-man bobsled. Yeah, so you do... So there's, so there's, there's three man, other teammates.
2: Yeah, there's two-man and four-man. Um, you know, when, when it's Olympic year, you've got probably 20-plus teams that are trying to vie for those two positions on the oh, Olympic okay. team. So you've got... Several, several people, mm-hmm. and um, I was just introduced to a group of guys that happened to be like USA Five and trained with them that first year, and and um, you know again just focused on what I needed to do and how what what I needed to do to learn the sport and become educated about it. Mm-hmm. And then start applying like the physical side
1: because people have no clue on that. You know, I yeah. see it on TV. I see guys pushing as hard as they yeah. can, jump into this, jump into this, you know, this little rocket-looking thing, and yeah. all of them duck down. Yeah,
2: and then and, and again, you don't see it on TV. It looks super simple, but just like anything else that you know, somebody's successful, and there's a lot that goes on behind oh, yeah. the scenes that, sure. that has to happen and take place. And, And so, you know, I was with that team for the first year and did well enough that I I got a phone call from both USA 1 and USA 2, and they're like, hey, we've been watching what you've been doing, and we want you to come and uh, train with us and be a part of our team. And that kind of punched my ticket to my overall goal. And so, same with that Olympic medal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That's awesome. And then, so then after that, how many other Olympics were you in after that?
2: I did two more. So okay. my, my college track coach used to always tell me that any fool can do it once. Right. And so, like I said, I would go to at least do <laughs> you two You can't Olympics. do it once then, right? right? Yeah. You had
0: to do it twice? Then,
2: uh, so
1: you did 2002 here in Salt Lake, 2006 six in Torino. And, Torino. Okay. and actually
2: retired for two years after that. Okay. And then I didn't want to have or look back and say I woulda, shoulda, coulda. Oh. So I came out of retirement to do my third Olympics, and, and definitely knew that when I was done there, I'd given it everything I could. Um, Where was that one at? Vancouver. Oh, okay. So and just left it, left it all there, and, and uh. walked away knowing that I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. So sport.
1: what did you what did you place in Vancouver? Where did you guys? place uh, Vancouver
2: them? in. Um, we did four men, and we were like thirteenth or fourteenth. Okay. Um, I was actually just excited just to make the team. It was it was one of the most difficult um, experiences I ever had. Was trying to make the Vancouver. Just because I, I was off two years. Right. I was competing against you know these young guys that were. Right. You know, everyone telling me there's no way you should be able to. You know what are you doing back here? You're older. You're retired. Right. And uh, so it was really difficult. So mm. just to make the Olympic team was was awesome. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I was actually the first alternate uh, for USA one to replace anybody on that team, which one of my teammates was, you know, we actually had quite a bit of discussion because he had an injury that he was dealing with and mm. um, almost ended up being his replacement where that would have put me on the team but went gold. Oh really? I, I was happy with just making it. Oh wow! So, I know, wow.
1: Yes, that we, is it. Inches away, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no. You know, and you know, since then, you've gone on. Now you do motivational speaking. You do all kinds of different things. A lot of stuff in the. And um, what are those websites on that that you can you can find Bill? Well, at, or? What,
0: why don't you tell us? Bill, yeah. What are the websites? That yeah. they, where they can find you at, and they can continue on your journey with yeah. you. Yeah.
2: Um, any of the three websites, you can find me on OlympianSpeaks.com, um, OperationLimosProject.com and themostimportantconversations.com
0: And these will all be in links in the show yeah. notes so they can they can continue to follow you but what an amazing story of overcoming the hardships that come to us in our lives and realizing that you know what no matter where you start it's where you end yeah. and you have shown everyone that you can come from the hardest things in the world to become an Olympic athlete and such yeah. a great accomplishment that... Even yeah, like, but you
1: know what? what's more important than that, though, is a lot of people go on and they do that, and then they, that, that becomes them. That's yeah. their identity, and then after that, they don't know what to do it themselves. But, but yet, yeah, you've used what you've learned along the way to try and do more. You yeah. know, now you're training people, now you're yeah. speaking, now you're going out and you're sharing your story, and you're doing things of that nature. And that, I think, is absolutely yeah. probably and, just as important, because people need to know there's hope out there.
0: And so yeah. many people's lives are blessed because of you and what you have contributed yeah, so, just, like,
2: and, just like Jake yeah, was for you, yeah. right? And you know, I, I feel like I've obviously been very blessed, and you know, I think a lot of my success comes from you know some of the amazing people I've had in my life, absolutely, that really have helped me along the way. And you know, that's what I always encourage with other people was you know, I, for me to be as successful as I was in the sport, I always had a coach or a mentor. And same thing applies in life and in, in, in business, like you know how important it is to have that coach, that mentor for you. Um, in, in whatever capacity that is, it's just, you know, help you kind of get past some of those hurdles, or just help you introduce you to some different ideas, or open up to life for you. When you you know, we get stuck in life, it happens. Yeah. yeah. So
0: if you want to know more about him and find out how he can help you in your life, then go to those websites and you can follow him and get some more help. So, awesome. thank you.
1: Thanks, sure. Ian. Thanks thank so guys. much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Healthy Naturally podcast helping to make natural health care the standard, not the alternative. The more knowledge you have empowers you to make changes in your life. And because of this, your life will be elevated.
0: Remember, your health journey is between you and your doctor. This podcast is not meant to diagnose or treat any conditions.
1: However, if your healthcare care goals are not being met by your current healthcare care provider, then take control of your health and please find a doctor who is in harmony with your healthcare care goals.
0: If this episode was helpful and if you know anyone who can benefit from our podcast, share and leave a review. Sometimes all it takes to be our best self is just to elevate our learning.